Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. This is Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac. Scoops with Danny Mac. Tanner, it's cold outside, uh, but maybe a little thawing in baseball. How about that, huh? That sounds exciting. Didn't that sound like a news anchor? It did a little bit, yeah. It's cold outside, but thawing in baseball. Sports coming up at 1020. That's pretty think? good. That's yeah, good. I think so. Uh, but maybe there is. I'm hopeful. I'm knocking on wood. I'm knocking on your head. I'm knocking on mine. I got my fingers crossed. I'm praying. Okay? We're going to start baseball on time. At least that has been some of the reports coming out in the last 24 hours is that the commissioner, Rob Manfred, is saying, all right, guys, get set. Go down to spring training. We're going to start on time. Now, what that looks like, we don't know. How many players, we don't know. You would have to think limited amount of players, maybe your 40-man roster, maybe even fewer than that, and uh, get prepared to play some spring training games, potentially. We would have to think that. And then get prepared to play 162. Now, some of the owners, according to Ken Rosenthal, are saying, well, we could maybe start in May. More of the vaccine would be rolled out. We can get more fans in the stands. I get that side of it, too. And they're saying, by the way, we could still play 162. Either way, let's play 162. I think if you play 162, more fans feel better about that than saying, well, we played 144 or we played 120 or we played 60. Want to play 162. I think fans want to see a full season. Would you agree? I would agree. I do too. So let's get 162 in. I think it's important, though, if they can do it safely, start spring training on time. And the players are saying, we want to play. Hey, we got through 60 games. The NHL is starting. The NBA is doing it. College football got through it. They played the national championship last night. Let's do it. Let's play. I didn't know. I didn't. I had my doubts about college football. When the Pac-12 was shut down and the Big Ten was saying, eh, I don't think we're going to play. I really did have my doubts about college football. But, hey, here we are. Alabama national championship. Nick Saban again. Should be the Nick Saban trophy, by the way. Yes, it should be. He's unbelievable. And yes, he is better than Bear Bryant because he's doing it in a world that recruiting is crazy. And yet he's still getting the best players and still in a copycat league, if you will. No one can beat him. He's the best. So if they're getting through this, I'm saying Major League Baseball, you got to go for it. You got to try. They've already done it with no vaccine in 60 games, got through the postseason. The players want to get paid. And they're going to say, hey, we got a deal. One more year left on this CBA. Let's do it. And I understand that perspective if I was a player. I'd also understand, though, if I was an owner saying, hey, if we can still get 162 in, can we push this back a little bit? You know, maybe we can get some more fans in the stands. It helps us out, too. I understand both sides of it. But the players are going to push to say, let's get this thing going. Yeah, I I understand both sides. But I, I would think if you're the players, as long as you had the agreement of the 162, I think you'd be fine to wait. I would think. Because you're still getting the full 162 and you have a chance to possibly be vaccinated, that would seem to make more sense. Now, granted, I know there's that clash between owners and players, 
So I guess maybe that's the big fear amongst the players. So the question would be, what about fans in the stands? By the way, we're going to visit with Mark Saxon. Baseball Insider is coming up. Major League Baseball does not plan to mandate that fans provide proof of vaccination or a negative COVID-19 test result before entering a ballpark this year. That's according to the L.A. Times. In a memo sent to teams, this was yesterday, obtained by the Los Angeles Times, the league outlined what it called its minimum health and safety standards for the 2021 season. The league noted that state and local authorities could mandate more restrictive standards and that all policies are subject to change as the public health situation in the U.S. changes. The league completed its 2020 regular season without fans in attendance, as we know, because of the coronavirus pandemic. Yesterday's memo was intended to help clubs plan safely, welcoming fans back to ballparks in 2021. In the memo, the league said teams could decide whether to require proof of vaccination, a negative COVID test, and or temperature checks, but that MLB did not, not intend to mandate any of those steps. During the postseason, when MLB admitted a limited number of fans for the World Series and League Championship Series in Arlington, the league did not require temperature checks. In explaining why testing would not be mandated, the league said, quote, mass testing of this kind is not practical with the existing rapid testing options and testing is of limited utility when done days in advance of an event. The league said its guidance could change in the event of any major advancement in testing technology. In the memo, the league also said the league um, also noted the uncertainty surrounding COVID-19 vaccine production and distribution and advised teams to consult legal counsel before imposing a vaccination requirement for fans. Interesting. Interesting. So I guess the municipalities will have to work with the teams. You know, at this point, California is very interesting when you think about the Dodgers, you've got the Giants, you've got the A's, and you got the Angels. What does California look like in three months? Can you play in their ballparks? Don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. And where, if you had to move them, where would you put them? Arizona, maybe? Yeah, you could probably do that. Um, yeah, there, there's options. It's kind of like what we were talking about in the middle of the summer. There are options with that. In spring training, I would be really interested down in Florida. Would there be fans? It's open. I I got a feeling there might be fans in Florida in spring training. So something to think about. We'll talk about it with Mark Saxon uh, coming up, our baseball insider. So this season, the NBA, like the NFL and Major League before it, decided to push forward with games in teams' home markets. Now, the NBA is testing players daily. We know they have strict guidelines on what traveling parties are allowed to do in their free time. But even with those precautions, there have been 63 confirmed cases out of approximately 550 players. You have to field eight players to play in an NBA game. Now, we're already starting to see some cancellations. Hey, I'm not trying to rain on your parade, and I'm not. But we've already seen the Dallas Stars shut down. I'm concerned about the NHL, too. It's it's not going to be really easy to get through this season. And here is the commissioner of the NHL, and that is Gary Bettman. Whether it was the return to play over the summer, we were, I believe we announced first when we were coming back and how we were going to do it, and, I, and we concluded first. 
or or now where the NBA started their season a little bit earlier than ours. There, the medical people uh, are collaborating. Winnemawissa, who's also on the call, can chime in on this. They're in constant communication. There are no secrets among the leagues in terms of, uh, from a protocol standpoint, uh, what we're doing and how we're doing it. Obviously, uh, with our realignment, which was necessitated because obviously there were seven clubs in Canada and we weren't going to be able to cross the border. So for us, that was a little different. The, the key thing for us is that from a medical standpoint, we're all operating off of the same body of information. Uh, I have every confidence that our players can and will adhere to the protocols. Uh, but we've had to make other adjustments in terms of how we play out the season that the others haven't had to make. So uh, set your DVR accordingly for the schedule, but be ready to change it is what I would say. When you watched what's going on, you know, for instance, I think it was this morning, the SEC in basketball, it was Tennessee and Vandy. That game got canceled this morning. Mizzou is shut down. SLU is shut down. Both the win, uh, men's and women's programs are shut down. I talked to Travis Ford yesterday. He said, hey, we'll get through it. But, you know, right now we're just worried about the safety of our kids. That's where we're at right now. And I think we're going to see that with the NHL, especially when teams start to travel. Now, when you're at your home cities and you kind of get in the routine, saw it with baseball. When you're at home and you have the routine of just being at home, go to the ballpark, go back home, be very safe, be very careful. That's one thing. But when you start to travel, it's another. So let's hope they get it off without any hitches. Hopefully there's no stoppages, but I can't wait to watch Blues hockey tomorrow. College football crowned a new national champion last night. And that is it. The final score, Bama 52, Ohio State 24. Alabama does it. 10 regular season SEC wins. An SEC championship, a Rose Bowl championship, and national championship number 18. 13-0, absolute perfection. Hey, this team accomplished more almost than any team. No disrespect to any other teams that we had or any championship teams, but this team won 11 SEC games. No other team has done that. Uh, they won the SEC and went undefeated in the SEC. Uh, and then they beat two great teams in the playoffs with the break in between. Now, this is our fifth game in a row from LSU to Arkansas to Florida to Notre Dame to here. Um, and played 13 games and went undefeated with all the disruption that we had in this season. Uh, I think there's quite a bit to write about when it comes to a legacy of a team. Not only getting through the protocols, but getting through the SEC. Incredible year for Nick Saban. Um, made me think, though, does college football have a problem in terms of it's the same teams every single year? Now, if you're a fan of those teams, you're saying, Dan, are you crazy? No, these are the best teams. I get it. Alabama's awesome. They are incredible. They're going to send out a ton of pros. Ohio State's going to send out a ton of pros. So the college football playoff is in its seventh year. So that equates to 28 bids. Only 11 teams, though, have participated so far. That's it, 11 teams. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma alone have accounted for 20 of the 28 spots. So you have no school outside the Power Five or Notre Dame that have gotten in. Cincinnati went 9-0 this year, top five defense this season, and they're an outsider for the selection committee. To me, that's a problem. The Pac-12 has not appeared since 2016. They're off the radar. 
no one really considers them a threat unless it's USC. USC is going to garner some TV ratings. Um, I think this is a problem for maybe the interest of the sport. And so you have to expand the college football playoff. So why not do an eight-team field? And this was the year to do it. I mean, with everything up in arms, this was, without a doubt, the year to do it. So as I'm watching the game last night, and I'm like, well, okay, I can probably set my DVR to uh, 2022 of January whatever and say, all right, there, it's going to be Alabama and it's going to be Clemson. It's going to be Alabama it's going to be Ohio State. It's going to be Alabama and it's going to be some SEC school. You know that's going to happen. So you, you give the A-team field, you give the automatic bids to a Power 5 champions. So there's no problem with that. There's nobody arguing, saying, well, those lesser teams didn't play a tougher schedule. They're in. And then you just look at the highest bids going to the, the group of five teams and the, the at-larges. That's what I'd do. I'd put them in. I'd make it there. The pipe dream is a, a field of 16. But look at the margin of victory in these games. These teams are getting blown out anyway. So one of these teams, it's let's say Cincinnati got in and they got blown out, and everybody go, well, there you go. They lost by 30. Fine. These other teams are getting blown out by 30. What's the difference? Exactly. And at least we know, too, that, hey, they couldn't compete with the big boys. What's the difference? There's not one. My interest would have still my interest would have been peaked is my point of watching a lesser team taking on Alabama. That's the fun of it. That's why we love watching the NCAA basketball tournament because you do have the upsets. And I'm not saying it is apples and oranges. It's not apples to apples, but you might have the occasional upset and you'll still have the interest level of that team like UCF or you might have a Cincinnati, or you might have a BYU that all of a sudden runs the table. They go 9-0, and they go 10-0, they, they pull off an, a non-conference upset win early in the season, and you say, hey, this team's 10-0. They're pretty good. You know what? They're in. So they're in my top eight, and they're going to take on number one Alabama. They get a shot at the big boy. You think, you think people are going to watch that? You're damn right they are. Yeah. I, the other thing, too, I wish about the college football expansion – would be that you could maybe dilute some of this recruiting because if you're a five-star where do you want to go you want to go to all these teams that are going to go play for championships you can't you can't dilute the recruiting well no no i'm sorry what i want is to see these other teams like a cincinnati they're not gonna be able to they can't recruit what they get lucky once every what 20 years but that's not alabama's fault that's not georgia's fault that's not clemson's fault problem no it's not no. These top schools, you no, can't no, let no, all no, these no, guys no. go to these top schools. No, 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 not let. Sorry. You need to help these smaller schools. How? The if expansion. Wants, if you yeah, go, but if a kid wants to go to Alabama, if you're a kid from wants Cincinnati, to go to Alabama. Ohio, okay, I understand that. But I'm, why do they want to go now? If you're in Cincinnati, Ohio, Cincinnati comes to you, hey, we want you to come play for us. I'll recruit them. Well, they're not going to go. Sure they could. They're not going to. Sure they could. They won't. Why does some kid that's from St. Louis not go to Alabama and goes to Mizzou? Well, now it's because there's some excitement. Before there wasn't. Gary Pinkle was able to get kids to stay here. You gotta, you gotta work it, man. That's part of that's that's the challenge. That's I, okay. no, 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 no. That no, 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 no. We're not gonna just because you're a lesser team. We're gonna say no. You, you no. You get that five star no, because no, no. What we I'm feel saying for you. Is, no. I'm, I'm saying if you get those smaller schools like a Cincinnati into the playoff, it helps their chances. Yes, that's now, what I'm trying to okay, say. Okay, now we're on the same page. Yes, I would agree with you with that. You're on, uh, I would also say this, if you want to look at it from an academic standpoint, student <clears throat> athletes, um, you're on national TV, you're Cincinnati, and you're in one of those those games in the top eight, or you're, I don't care, whatever, school X, 
That is a free advertisement for four hours on your institution because part of the agreement is you're going to get commercials inside that game. And it's a great exposure for your program. It's great exposure for your institution. I would, you know, when Gary Pinkle had that thing rolling, I was doing one of their football games and we had somebody on from the academic side and and he was telling me, he said, our enrollment has never been higher. And the reason why? Football. Yeah. We're on national TV every single game. We're on Channel 4. We're on we're on CBS or we're on the primetime ESPN game. It's great. So I think you have to do that because I would look at Alabama-Cincinnati. I would watch Alabama-UCF. I was intrigued last night. I watched. And then when, you know, Alabama's chucking it all over the place, I go, okay, all right, same thing. Saw it 10 years ago. Saw it five years ago. Saw it again last night. Give them a chance. And if this is truly, hey, let's just be honest about it. This is about making money. This is why we're playing college basketball to get to the NCAA tournament because they're going to make billions of dollars as these programs are getting shut down. Give me a break. Make the money then. Just call it like it is. Exactly. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Well, there was some big news concerning the Major League Baseball owners and Major League Baseball players yesterday. It looks like we will have spring training, at least for the time being, starting on time and 162 games. A memo sent by the commissioner, Rob Manfred, to say, hey, let's go. Let's play 162. Prepare as if we're starting spring training on time. Let's bring in our baseball insider, and that is Mark Saxon, who covers the St. Louis Cardinals. Hey, Mark, always great to hear your voice. How are things going? Fantastic, Danny. Good to be with you, my friend. And uh, that was, you know, exciting news. It, it seemed maybe like just a tad premature. We'll have to see how the rollout happens in, in terms of the vaccine and, and, and everything like that. But just the notion that, you know, a month from now or so, players could be congregating and getting ready to compete. That's amazing, right? I, I think it is. And, you know, John Mosellock was saying that, this is a big week for baseball in terms of you've got some uh, arbitration cases that you're going to figure out, make sure that, you know, you, you get those guys signed officially and you get the terms. But if you're starting to prepare to get not only the players, and I, I think that's what we have to remember here, it's not only the players, but you're talking about a full medical team, you're talking about a coaching staff, you're talking about a manager, you're talking about a front office, you're talking about a lot of people that are behind the scenes with these individual teams down to Florida or wherever you're at and relocating essentially your business. You've got five weeks to do it. So you're talking about living quarters. And oh, by the way, there's a pandemic. So, you know, you're almost trying to set up a pseudo bubble if you can this is very tough to do. So if you're going to do it, time is of the essence. And I'm sure that's what Major League Baseball is feeling right now, the pressure to get this thing done. And it's, it's, it's time to do it. I mean, you've got to start making these decisions right now. Right. And it's, it's kind of on the individual teams to get it done, right? It's kind of like what we saw you know, during the pandemic last season of trying to field teams and keep them healthy and keep them from being exposed. Um, you don't want to be the team that kind of slows the whole league, right? Um, what I find kind of interesting, it does appear as if the minor league season will be delayed. For sure. So so do we end up seeing, you know, instead of 60 guys initially in camp, do, do we end up seeing, you know, 35, you know, because let's say you make cuts, where do the guys go if there's no minor league side of camp? So 
there, there's a little bit of an issue there. But I, I think, you know, maybe just do it with a slightly different model. But again, the key is preparing, you know, the 20, whatever the roster size is, 28, 26 guys for the season. And the fact that they're going to be going forward and doing that now, I, I think is good. And I think for the, a team like the Cardinals, who are pretty meticulous about their planning for spring training, and I think do run a good camp, um, it's really important news to keep it as close to normal as possible. It was interesting in the LA Times this morning in the memo, the league said teams could decide whether to require proof of vaccination, a negative COVID-19 test, and or temperature checks, but that Major League Baseball did not, let me emphasize that, did not intend to mandate any of those steps concerning fans coming through the turnstiles. So uh, that's going to be very, very interesting as we edge closer towards opening day. And if fans are can, you know, wondering what are the concerns about bringing fans into the ballpark and if and when we'll have fans in the ballpark. Yeah, it's fascinating because it's sort of like, in, in this happened last year to some extent too, it's like these teams are sort of um, harbingers of what we can expect in our own lives. So, you Good know. Point. We'll that's imp- a great point, yes. Right. Right. Will employers require that? Will pe- will schools require it to send your kids to school? The, the vaccination records, etc. How is this going to kind of be um, handled? And e- even what are some of the legal sort of aspects of this? So it's really interesting. And I've been wondering, you know, are they going to require players? Will they work something out where players and the players' association would go along with this, where they would have to show vaccination? But the fact that they're not. I think gives us a clue that they're not worried about the threshold being met um, and that the, it sounds like what they're hearing from the Players Association is maybe that it's not going to be a problem, that they'll maybe handle players getting on board with the vaccination. But you're right. It's it's really interesting just as a society. And when these groups like Major League Baseball have to go back a little earlier than other entities it's interesting to see how they handle and it tells us maybe what's going to be coming in our own lives our baseball insider mark saxon is our guest mark i I know you've been doing this a long time you're connected in a lot of different areas whether it's with the cardinals or major league baseball do you think baseball goes forward with this decision if they don't have some kind of information from the government meaning that they feel pretty confident that the vaccination is going to start getting rolled out and rolled out in a big way, meaning maybe not tomorrow or next week. And we're seeing it rolled out, right? I mean, we're seeing it being rolled out a little bit here and there, and we hear about it every night on the the news or you read about it. But let's say in, uh, I'm going to throw an arbitrary date, late March, early April, we're seeing hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people getting vaccinated, and they feel very comfortable then in what they're hearing from the government, we may not be hearing it in the general public, but they're having conversations privately that they feel comfortable in making this decision. Do you, do you get that, in, that, that feeling, that indication? Yeah, I absolutely do. And it's, it, as I'm listening to you talk, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about how, you know, when, when they talk about spring training and people get start to feel so good when you think about that, right? Cause it's, you're thinking about them going to warm fields and it's still cold here. It's kind of like that. It's like this glimmer of hope and, and warmth that were kind of emerging from this thing. And so if you look at powerful entities, you know, like Major League Baseball, and and I can guarantee they're working with somebody at the CDC or elsewhere to get this information, the fact that they feel good about that is certainly encouraging. Now, could something go wrong and, and could we take a step back? Probably, but again, 
the indications are good. And that's really exciting because I don't think anybody wants to see a season, you know, another season seriously curtailed by this thing. And in even 140 games, it doesn't have the same kind of structural integrity as 162. So just the notion that you could get that many games in and, and feel good about the entirety of it, that's, that's amazing. And I think people should be really excited about that. And even if they're not totally thrilled with the Cardinals' lack of action this winter, you know, they're going to be competing and they're going to be have a chance and it's going to be, you know, like quite, kind of back to normal. And I think that's really, really fun and, and good to think about. I got to wonder, with this domino down now, with the idea that, hey, we're saying we're going – full steam ahead. We're going to have baseball. We're going to have spring training. It's going to start on time. We're going to play 162. If this truly now is the green light that owners and front offices needed to say, uh-oh, we got we to get our team ready. Okay, let's start free agency. <laughs> if this is finally it and say, okay, this is not the wake-up call because that's kind of a lack of a better term, but this is now, this is the this is go time. We got, we got to start filling some holes and some needs on our rosters. Yeah, and you even see some of the guys who are free agents out there kind of going on Twitter and going, whoa, you know, Liam Hendricks signed. You know, does that sort of open up the, the floodgates for, for relievers? Or, um, you know, I think once Real Muto signs, maybe that, you know, sets, sets the uh, bar for, for catchers. And so, yeah, each, each, I think, position group or type of player is kind of his own market. But it absolutely should, because that's what they've been saying, right? If you, if you say... We don't know when spring training is going to start. We don't know what the gate's going to look like. Well, you're starting to get those answers. So you, you your excuses are sort of peeling away, right? If if your team needs to get better and there's opportunities to do it, you don't have any excuses now. We know that revenues were down last season, but it sounds like they can project, you know, better revenues this season. So you would hope that would jumpstart the entire league, and I think it will to some extent. But I do think you're going to have a lot of owners still kind of hiding behind um, what happened last year and talking about, you know, projecting and still having some trepidation of getting in those waters. But other teams, yeah, I do think are going to jump in and we'll see some action. And that that alone is kind of fun to see where these guys end up. So, again, that that's another good sign uh, going forward. The Hendricks contract caught my attention. And it, it shows it shows, I think, some people that, well, maybe some owners do have the money to spend. What did you think? Yeah, I thought so too. I thought it was cleverly sort of structured. Um, I thought it was a good deal for him. I mean, when you think about, you know, relievers really aren't paid what they were because the, the notion of, you know, a guy can come in and pitch one inning isn't as valued as it was maybe when, you know, Tony LaRusso was starting that. But um, it was a good deal for him, and I think that's what people are looking for. They're looking for guys who are maybe not, you know, the, the very, um, you know, most desirable uh, targets. It's the, it's the next level of guys getting these, these good deals, and that, that tells you it's a, a healthy market. And, again, that was a sign of that. Um, I, thought, I thought that Schwarber's deal was pretty good with the Nationals, and I think that bodes well for Jock Peterson and those guys. So, yeah, I do think you're seeing a little more vibrancy um, in the market for a few of these position players and, and pitchers than maybe we thought initially. As the, the days go by, you mentioned Real Muto. I got to wonder if all signs are still pointing towards Yachty and Wayno. You know if I have you on, I got to ask you this because fans <laughs> are curious about it. I'm curious about it. I just I still continue to look 
at all signs pointing back to St. Louis. Maybe I'm uh, it's the homer in me, but I, I still think that those signs still point back here. I think so too, just because we haven't there hasn't been a lot of um, smoke with regard to yes. either guy really lately, and that tells you that maybe you know the interest from outside teams isn't quite as robust as is what they were hoping. Um, so that could drive them into the arms of the Cardinals, and it's pretty obvious that that's kind of been the Cardinals' mo. They they don't feel like this is a season where they can pay those guys premiums for being franchise icons or the kind of premiums that maybe they would have in previous seasons. So they're hoping the market kind of drives them back into their price range. And certainly with Yachty, you would expect that to happen. I, I think there's a little bit more mystery with Wayno still. Um, and, I, and I still think it's a long shot for Colton Wong to return just because of the, you know, he would have to take a serious, serious pay cut off of what that, that option was like. But, yeah, if, if you were to rank those guys, I would say Yachty is by far the most likely to return, at least the way I see it. So many people have come up to me and said, man, how about Cohen in New York? How about getting Lindor? There's a couple of ways I look at the deal. I said, you're, I said first of all, yeah, you're right. Lindor is an incredible player. He's great. He's, he's smiling. He's great. He's, he's perfect for baseball. I love him. I, he's a personality. I, I think he could be a face of, of baseball in a big market. So, yes, on its surface, it's awesome. He's a great player. But don't overlook Carrasco because he's a really good pitcher, comeback player of the year. Um, but the second part of this, and I don't know if you agree with me, Mark, is while you have a, an owner that's got huge deep pockets, and we know that, and that's been well documented, I don't think it's good for baseball, and I mean that because when you have a young shortstop and a cornerstone player and he's leaving Cleveland, and he shouldn't be, and now you look at what the Indians have given up now in the last, oh, I guess two years, when you have Trevor Bauer, who wins a Cy Young, you got Clevenger, who should not be leaving. Now, there could be some mitigating circumstances with that, with what happened this past summer, but on its surface, a very good pitcher. Um, you've got now Lindor, you've got Carrasco. Those kind of players should not be leaving all of them in that market. Now, if they're bad apples, that's one thing, but these are good players, especially Lindor, and that tells me maybe the system is broken. You don't want those young players to be leaving those franchises, and it just it tells you the players are not partners with the owners. The owners are not partners with the players, and maybe the system is broken, and a year from now, I, I shudder to think where we're at in a CBA. I hope it gets done, but it does It does ask the question, will the system get fixed? Yeah, I think that's right. I think if a franchise does it here and there, you know, like loses, you know, their face of the franchise, like let's say happened here with Albert Pujols, it's one thing if, if there's a, an effort made to retain that player. But when teams build up and then completely strip down every few years, as Cleveland is doing – and Cleveland's going to field, I think, a payroll somewhere in the 40s in terms of, you know, something like $45 million or something. That's pretty absurd when yes. you think about teams spending 275. That's just not that that's not, you know, they're not playing in the same pool. They're not playing the same game. In and a that's sense. my point. That's right. Yeah. And that isn't healthy either. So, you know, we've seen that happen in the past. That if The funny thing is, if you go back and look way back in baseball history, that, that's how it was. You know, these owners would cry poor every once in a while. They would sell players to other teams. You know, we saw that happen even with Babe Ruth. But it's definitely not a sign of, of, of a good, vibrant, competitive industry when that's happening. And 
Cleveland being kind of one of those bedrock teams, you know, an old a team that's been around for a long, long time, it's, it's kind of sad to see. Um, and you, you don't want to have major league teams that are becoming farm systems for the rest of the team because they have farm systems and that, that's not necessary. So I agree with you in that respect. Um, and also, let's remember from the Mets standpoint, how many times have we seen an owner with a ton of money come in and want to be a big celebrity in his market and make this big splash? We'll see how it works out. And I, I actually like a lot of the moves the Mets have made. I'm not saying it won't work out, but we've also seen the team. You don't win the World Series in January. I think that's the thing to keep in mind. No doubt. I'll wrap it up with this. The winter warm-up is this weekend, and if you would like to do a virtual uh, meet-and-greet, uh, Mark, I'd be happy to set one up with you, or if you want to do a Q&A, uh, you just let me know, and I'll set it up, and we'll we'll set it up with the fans, and we can do an exclusive Mark Saxon Q&A on the winter warm-up. Just let me know. What are they, they going to charge for that ticket, Danny? Uh, you'll actually be paying them. Okay. That's what, I, that's what I figured. I, I got 20 bucks. Will that do it? Hey, we, we take any donations. Any donations okay. help. Hey, Mark. Hey, thanks so much, buddy. Appreciate it. Always great insight, and uh, we'll catch up soon. All right, Danny. Good talking with you. You got it. That's uh, Mark Saxon, our baseball insider. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. A couple of quick ones. Hopefully uh, you've enjoyed the show today on the text line 65780. A lot of people asking about the designated hitter. I'm with you. I think they've got to figure this thing out. we got five weeks to go. Not a lot of guys have been signed. It's got to be figured out for, for both sides. If you're a National League team, you're trying to build your roster, right? you got to get this thing figured out. You're trying to figure out, do I want to go out and get a soul, uh, solo individual that is a DH? If I'm Nelson Cruz... If I'm Marcelo Zuna, I've just opened up half the league as my marketplace, potentially. So I'm looking at a DH. This has got to get settled very quickly, but it does show you the um, the friction between the two sides, the Players Association and uh, what's going on with the owners. Uh, Danny Mack, great show, 618. Do you think that John Gant gets a, st- a chance to start? I think they tell him, hey, in this offseason, we're going to give a lot of guys a chance early on which they do a lot of times, especially if we have spring training start on time and say stretch out as a starter. Just get stretched out as a starter, be ready to go, and we'll give you that option. I love, though, John Gant, especially in what we were talking about in the crossover where starters may not be going very deep, that you need key guys in your bullpen. They're all key guys, but you're going to need guys that can get you outs in the sixth and the seventh that are important because starters may not be going very deep, especially this year. They're not going deep anyway in baseball, but especially this year. You have a situation where with a truncated season, not a lot of guys throwing innings last year, they're going to be careful, especially early on. You may see some of these starters industry-wide only going five innings and getting pulled. So you better have depth and you better have guys that can get outs in tight games. That's John Gant. And he's nasty. I love him. I love him in the bullpen more so than as a starter. I'm sure he probably prefers to be a starter. That's where guys are going to get paid. He's close to hitting free agency, but that's a direction I would go. I'd love to get to a bunch of these questions. I apologize. I always run out of time. Tanner gets on me because I don't pay attention to my clock, and we'll cross it over with BK next. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. 
is in the house. All right, my man, what do we have coming up for the big program? What do you got? Take off the mask. What do you got? Because you're late again. Hey, no, I'm not late. Dan, you got into the crossover at 1055. Who's late here? I'm not late. <laughs> Usually, well, the crossover is supposed to be at 1045. That is correct. Technically. So you just rolled in at 10.55.30. So I, I'm, I'm listening technically, to your show back there, yeah, my friend. Yeah, sure you were. Um, coming up today, we've got Patrick Sharp at 12.30, NBC NHL analyst. Excited to have him on, on the show. We also have Mike Petriello of MLB.com. He was the one that threw out the idea of the Mets trading for Harrison Bader. If and, they don't get George Springer. Absolutely. And Cardinals fans were basically like, hey, more than happy to drive him yeah. to the airport for you. Okay. I want to talk to him about that because I'm I'm very curious about the national perspective of Bader compared to what we see here locally. Because I, I still believe Bader's a pretty good player. Really good defensive player. Obviously not great offensively, but a solid player nonetheless. I'm curious to get the national perspective on All that. right. Looking forward to that, Tanner. You were absolutely, stunningly sensational today. I got to tell you. Well, thank you. Great work. Great thank work. You. That's all you got? Thank you? Well, yeah. You know, I'm just kind of stunned. I stunned you with yeah, that. Yeah. I love the appreciation. BK and, Ferrario, BK and Ferrario just give me a hard time. Yeah, they so. do. Well, don't don't put up with it. I won't. You're okay. right. I'm going to lay the foot down. Good job, buddy. Good job, buddy. Hey, Ferrario, be quiet back there. Tanner, amazing job. And we'll be back with you tomorrow at 10 on Scoops with Danny Mac. You've been listening to Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast powered by I Promise. On November 13th, it's the dawning of a new era when the NFL debuts in Germany live on NFL Network. Brady and the Bucks. Touchdown, Tampa Bay! DK and the Seahawks. Puts the ball up, making a catch! Wake up and watch with the world. It's Sunday morning football. Live from Munich. Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern, only on NFL Network. Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.